Jesus is definitely coming and prophesied to come in no uncertain terms. And we see it wrapped up in Revelation. It's king of the Jews, king of the world, savior, messiah, and all that stuff. The point is this, and going back to what prophecy is, studying prophecy helps prove the scriptures themselves. And Rachel and I were talking about this, and she actually brought up a good point, because she's really seeing this, and I see it, so I guess I don't think of it in this term. You know how we here talk about timelines and the ethereal and science? Remember I talked about Mr. and Mrs. Flat living in two dimensions? If any of you were here a long time ago, trying to show you that we living in four dimensions with time, we can't comprehend there are additional dimensions, even though science can prove them. Mathematically, it can be proven. And we also see, because the Bible talks about it, that there are principalities and, and angels and things that live in dimensions that can interlope into our reality, but we can't interlope into theirs. And when they intersect into our reality, they can really do some strange, what we call strange things. They're not subject to the laws of physics, right? So we talk about that. And, and she says, you know, I'm getting this idea. It's lifting me up of just living on this physical earth. Remember, we're just ambassadors here, but we're so bound to it because we are just as physical, because we're made from the stuff of the earth. We are made from the good things of the earth, but unfortunately, we're so bound to this timeline and the way the things operate here, we act and look and fear and react as more of citizens of this world and ambassadors to heaven. Really, when you're saved, you're the opposite, folks. So when we look at prophecy and we understand from God's point of view, which I say in this class a lot, we understand that God thinks in terms of where he is. And if we can lift ourselves to think in terms of more of how it operates in eternity, the more prophecy shows us how to do that, and we can map prophecy into the physical life here, and it becomes believable. Matter of fact, it becomes more believable than some of the things we see physically here. Do you see what I'm saying? So I guess what I'm trying to say is we're elevating ourselves, and prophecy helps us to see how God thinks of things and what it is to be just an ambassador here. Our true, real, full bodies are waiting for us. We don't even know what we have coming yet because we're so here. And this transforms us. So that was a good conversation. I wanted to bring that to you. Let prophecy transform your point of view. No matter what comes your way, you do not have to fear. You're not home. Your mind and your heart, your soul, your character, all of that has eternal life already, and it's been saved. This body has not been saved, but you have been saved, and that's the point. And God will move heaven and earth to make sure his will is done in your life. So if you're going through some hard time, all things work, all, all things work for good for those who love God and are called according to his purpose, whatever the purpose may be. It's easier when you realize, I'm only an ambassador here. My life is already I want to know what it's like in heaven. I want to know what it's like to deal with angels and to... Don't you know that you're going to be judging angels? That's what it's it says. not as good as it gets. That's right. And so don't be so bound here. That's what I want prophecy to do, okay? All right. Oh, yes, another book by somebody. We can't mention his name. All right. So we have 10 minutes. We're not going to get to the Abraham stuff today, so bring your togas and tunics and whatever next week. They didn't have irons in those days, did they? All right. What else does knowing and studying and understanding prophecy give us? What are the main benefits God intends for us as Christians who believe this? And the most major factor of his word. Remember, it's at least a third of his book. At least. At least. Okay. And we see how pervasive it is throughout the whole book. Proper and dead-centered, dead-centered perspective in life as God's people. You know, in the Bible, if you look at the book of Matthew, which proves that Jesus had to be king of the Jews, right? That's one of the four requirements of Messiah, okay, to be who he was. 
And we look at the term elect, we know it's talking, he's talking about the Jews because the Jews still are the chosen people. We're just a different type of chosen people. Remember I said to you, not all the promises are ours. I've told you this, you believe this. Now I hope you understand it, you're here, so you understand that. So we're a different subset or different set of elect, but we are elect. By his people, by the elect in this church age, prophecy helps us keep us, keeps us dead centered. Okay, I'm going to read you. You can turn there if you want. Second Peter chapter one, verse 10. Prophecy gives us a proper perspective in our life. And guess what? Our mission as the church, which is not just to do good works. A lot of Christians think that just by doing stuff, they're living the life. Matter of fact, I've been told by other Christians that really what you have to do as a Christian is do good. Basically, that's what they think, and that's how they operate. Now, faith without works is, I made a comparison to you while you're turning to the scripture. I am no Mother Teresa. Look at me. I ain't no, I do not have the compassion that woman has. We agree. I don't think any of us really measure up in many ways to Mother Teresa, yet she herself doubted Christ. All her good works did not save her, nor could she give the gospel to somebody else to save them because she did not know it. She did not believe it, but she did some great works. Is it any better for a Christian to do great works and not understand what they're here for? Nope. Sorry, no. Second Peter chapter 1 and verse 10. Therefore, my brothers, be all the more eager to make your calling and election sure. Not that, you see, like working out your salvation? We don't have to make our election sure to be saved. We've already got that. But what is he saying here? For if you do these things, you will never fall, and you will receive a rich welcome. We're going to be welcomed anyway. But now what are we doing? We're doing things for our reward. As Paul says, keeping our eye on the prize of the crown like a runner in a race, not looking back, not looking to the left or the right. For if you do these things, you will never fall, and you will receive a rich welcome into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Remember, you will receive a welcome. You will receive a richer welcome. You're already welcome because you've accepted Jesus Christ. That's all you have to do. But that's just the table stakes. Verse 12. So in that context, he says, So I will always remind you of these things, even though you know them and are firmly established in the truth you now have. And we need to do that for our brothers and sisters, folks. We need to go among our brothers and sisters and continually remind them that is not just good works, not just smiling faces, not just happy, happy, go doing the missions, donating here, doing that. I'm not belittling those things. Those are necessary. But that is not salt of the earth. The salt of the earth is to be an agent of change, and you must be and I must be catalysts. We cannot change in the chemical reaction, but we must be ready to create the chemical reaction, especially, as you said, and others have said here, there are people who are Christian, who are truly Christian, who are falling by the wayside, and no one's warning them. And there are people who are not Christian who are falling by the wayside, and no one's giving them the gospel because they're just doing nice things for them. It's not what we should be doing. So that's what he's saying here. I will always remind you of this. 13, verse 13. I think it is right to refresh your memory. You come to this class, you get your memory refreshed all the time, right? Talk to me outside of this class. Talk to my wife outside of this class. If you bump into us, you'll probably get your memory refreshed. But I want to talk about God. I want to talk about Scripture. I want to talk about the things we need to do, the things we should do. I just don't want to have a social club. And I just don't mean this church. When I point out that, I just don't mean it. I mean in general, especially in the United States, because we have been persecuted. We're living the life. We're living large. Everybody's got a budget. Everybody's doing great things, building, moving, shaking, cleaning the windows. Great. Having little food things and having, you know, and I'm just, I sound like I'm mocking it. I'm not. I'm showing you because I'm doing what Peter did here. I'm trying to show you 
that if we base our Christianity and we tolerate, and I mean, I don't mean tolerate like it's intolerable, but if we do not watch and continue to talk about what we are here to do as Christians and who we are here to witness to and be, to be ready for when this may come to an end. It may. It may come to an end soon. It may not. I don't know and I'm not predicting anything, but we do know what's coming. And if this church has someone come in and shoot it up or has someone come in and as a mole say, you know, I heard a, I heard a sermon about uh, homosexuality and I'm bringing it to the uh, to the government now because you're not supposed to be speaking about that. You are a 501c. You are a tax exempt, right? You know how much trouble we can get into? Are we ready to fight that? Or are we going to be politically correct? What about your own personal life? When the persecution comes, maybe there'll be no church to come to. What will you do then? What will I do then? I say me. I don't just mean you. I mean, I take this seriously. I was like, I wouldn't. I'm not here to bug anybody. It may sound like that. But this is what Peter's saying. I think it is right to refresh your memory as long as I live in this tent of a body, meaning he's got his eye on the real body. But as long as I'm here, we got to do these things. Because I know that I will soon put it aside as our Lord Jesus Christ has made it clear to me. Soon. Soon. Even he said soon. So the imminency of Christ keeps us going, doesn't it? He could return at any time. And I will make every effort to see that after my departure, you will always be able to remember these things. We did not follow cleverly invented stories. Cleverly invented? How many of you here cleverly invented stories today? By big authors. When we told you about the power and the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but we were eyewitnesses. They were eyewitnesses of his majesty. They saw him. You and I don't even have that privilege. For he received honor and glory from God the Father when the voice came to him from the majestic glory, saying, This is my son, whom I love. With him I am well pleased. And he also said, which doesn't say it here, you listen to him. Don't focus on the transfiguration. Don't focus so much on that. You listen to him. We ourselves heard this voice that came from heaven when we were with him on the sacred mountain. That's just talking about the transfiguration. Now here's the point. Second Peter chapter 1, verse 19. Here's the point. And we have the word of the prophets made more certain. And you, me, I, you, will do well to pay attention to it. Oh, no, we don't need to know that stuff. We don't need to know what the prophets said. We're Christians. It's all New Testament. You will do well to pay attention to it as to a light shining in a dark place. Isn't that what we're supposed to be? Unto the day dawns and the morning star arises... When Jesus comes back, well, yeah, but what is he saying here? In your own hearts, in your own lives, in my life. Do I believe this? Do I search the scriptures to know what these prophets said, which are made more certain if I pay attention to it and I live by it and I do it and I practice it, then it becomes alive in my heart, doesn't it? Because by use, you will become used to it. That's how I know the scriptures well enough. Because I study because I study. It doesn't come easy. Well, actually, it can come easy because the Holy Spirit wants you to know this stuff, folks. Above all, verse 20, you must understand that no prophecy of Scripture can come about by the prophet's own interpretation. For prophecy never had its origin in the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. So there are plenty of Christians who have visions these days, and they're going to tell you what's going to happen in the end. And I've seen Christians who, how many times did I say they were books, right? Harold Camping with the rapture, 2011. I actually had some guy I used to work with. I don't work with him anymore. He was sitting having lunch one day, and he says to me, I'm not a Christian. He says to me, um, I don't even think he knew I was a Christian. I mean, he must have because he asked me, so he must have. But 
Um, you think you think this uh, this thing, the rapture thing, is going to happen in May? I said it could. It could. But I, I'm not going to say it's it's going to happen. Nobody knows, but it's going to happen. So here's the point. Part of our job description is to watch for intruders into the fold. This is not just the job of the pastors and the designated leaders. It is our job. Our job. And we have to watch our leaders, too. We have to watch them. Whether it's here, whether it's there, whether it's anywhere. You have to hold them accountable. You see what I'm saying? Please understand. I'm saying this in general. But... Just like we are, they are able to be deceived if they are not careful. And it's very subtle. It's very subtle. Hold them accountable. Hold me accountable. Hold each other accountable. And hold our brothers and sisters accountable. We must be dedicated to do this. And I'm going to read you just a little bit more and then we're going to quit for today. Second Peter chapter 2 and verse 1. We must be dedicated. And how do we do that? We must be educated. This is your main focus is God's word. As Christians, we are here to be what? A holy people. You know what the term holy means? Set specifically apart. Oh, did I say the word elect? But we need to make sure that when we interact with our brothers and sisters out there, if they say they are converted, we got to make sure that they understand as you run their course. Don't run out there and blast anybody now. What I'm saying is, in your normal course, talk about these things with them, whether they want to or not, because if you just allow them to continue to rule the conversation, you're going to be coffee-clutching. You're going to be Facebooking all day. My baby burped. I had cheese for lunch. Let's talk about something important that's going on. Let's talk about the second coming. Let's talk about this book or this thing I found in the Bible. See what I'm saying? Try to steer the conversation, folks. Be more proactive in it, if you can. Second Peter chapter 2, verse 1. But there were also false prophets among the people, just as there will be, will be, this is not maybe, right? Just as there will be false teachers among you. They will secretly introduce destructive heresies. I can't name names. I'm serious. They will secretly, which means they will be going undetected, even by people who supposedly know everything. Even denying the sovereign Lord who bought them, and I'm going to add even denying prophecy, that was given to interpret the sovereign law that was brought to them, bringing, it says here, swift destruction on themselves. Many will follow. Many will follow. Did I say many, not a few? Many will follow their shameful ways and will bring the way of truth into disrepute. Have you ever talked with a Christian who believes certain things that you know are not right? Have you ever talked with them? And they're dark. As a matter of fact, they will bite your head off. And how do I know that? Because I was one of them. Years ago. It's very spooky. When I believed in the law, if you didn't keep the Sabbath, you were going to hell. And conversely, when God brought me to the truth, I had a conversation with an old quote-unquote friend of mine who still believed that. This is going back many years ago now. And I challenged him because we visited their church. And I was trying to get him to tell me I was going to hell. I wanted him to tell me that. So I'm like a pit bull on a lake. And I'm going and I'm going. And finally, he actually said to me, Mike, you're going to hell because you don't keep the Sabbath anymore. Okay. Well, we'll see who's right. But I was that pitbull on somebody else's. Because I would have told people who would argue with me that I believed it so it was the truth. So what do you? how do you know the truth? Because it's very easy to argue both sides. And that's why we have so many false teachers today, especially now at the time of God lifting his hand of protection. Because we, at the end of the day, each of us are going to get what we really want. It's true. 
If there are Christians who don't want anything but Christmas and New Year's and happy and happy and joy and joy and doing, they're going to get it and they're going to be deceived until they bow their knee to Jesus Christ when we go home. And we're going to have our works reviewed. Is that true or is it not true? That's right. His word will not return. And he says. That's right. That's right. What have you done in my name? And many who, not us, who are truly Christian, but there are going to be many who say they're Christians, like I just told you, which you know are not. Some of them really have a high reputation in this general world of being a Christian. And what is Jesus going to say to them? Get away from me. You, you know how, how terse I can be? Jesus is going to be the same way. He's not going to say, well, I, I know, I'm sorry, you just didn't cut it. I, I got to send you to hell. I'm sorry. It's going to be full. Get away from me. You stink. You smell like death to me. And I just paid for death. Get away from me. I never, never. Imagine Jesus saying to you, I never knew you when you thought you knew him. Everything that we do here will be tried by fire. Right? And it says that there will be some who will enter heaven barely by the skin of their teeth. The only reason the skin of their teeth is just Christ and him crucified, like the thief on the cross. However, the thief on the cross did not have opportunity to breathe and, and live on this earth long enough to learn, to grow, to change. So we're going to look, everything's going to be measured. Like the parable of the talents, where he was given one talent, you and I have been given five. Or maybe he was not one, but right, two. Not two. Because the one talent was, he was purposely, I don't want to know this stuff. Okay. So he was cast out. But the one who was given two talents, right? What did Jesus say to him? He said, well done, good and faithful servant. Enter now into the joy of the Lord. This is the kind of thing. This is good. But what did he say about the one who had the five talents? He said, take the one talent from my wicked servant, who said he knew me, but I knew not, right? And give it to the one who achieved the most with what he was given. So all I'm saying is, if, if I am only allowed because of my station in life or because I was called late as a Christian, saying if, I would only be required to do a certain amount because I was only given yeah, it's so, yes. Well, no, the burnt stuff is all going to go to hell. Here's the point. Here's the point. The parable of the sower, the, the master had the field. Remember, he went out for looking for workers. And some, he went to the, found them idle, which is the Gentile world. They were idle. They were doing nothing. And he said to them, come work with me. And he went in there and he got them in the morning. And he paid them a penny per hour or whatever, a penny for the day, rather. Okay. But then he said, we need more workers because the harvest is truly ready. This is the job of Christians, isn't it? So he went back into the town a second time toward around the middle of the beginning of the afternoon and got more workers and negotiated with them for a penny for the day. And then he found out later on he still needed more workers. And then late in the afternoon, almost toward the end of the workday, he went back to the town and said, there's more idle people standing around here. Come on in. And they went and he paid them a penny. After the day was done, he settled up his account and paid everybody the salary that he said he was going to pay them. Everybody got their penny. Some people who were working from 9 o'clock in the morning said, that lazy slob, he came in through 4 o'clock in the afternoon, you're still paying him a penny? What was the master's answer? You're right, I didn't know what I was thinking. You all should be paid equally like what we do here in the, in the oh, you're every women and men and equal. Well, no. You agreed to it. You agreed to it and I agreed to it. And he said, what is it of your business if I do what I need to do? So that's the answer to your question. And there were some other people with questions who were kind of the same, where they say, well, I had a friend who was really Christian. They came to church, they prayed, they did all these things, and then they decided they were going to become Buddhists or Hindus or, or Islam or Muslims. So let's talk about that. 
knowing what you know right now, how probable would it be for you to be led astray in certain things? Not probable, Paul. And you're fairly new as a Christian, but you know a lot already. So you'd be held responsible, but you also know that you would not become a Mormon. Or you would not start dabbling in the occult that you know of. Now, there are baby Christians, like, for instance, with me. I'll give you me as an example. Keeping the law is almost like being, well, it is being deceived. And I went toward that, and I accepted Jesus Christ. But I had to go on a circuitous route. God used it to train me in a certain way. So say you Well, then God allowed it. Right. But here's my point. My, my wage, see, my wage might have been equal to yours when I came to the truth, the real truth. So I had Jesus. But I believe a lot of the wrong things. I'd still be saved. You're right. But I wouldn't have had the time from then to now, and you would never have been in this class. How much have you learned from me? Hopefully a little. You would not know some of the things you know as a new Christian because I would never have been here. So according to God's will, right? All things work for good to those who are called, or who love God, who are called, according to his purpose. So his purpose that I didn't have that heart attack to bring me through some things so that I would learn. And finally, when the Holy Spirit set me free, I didn't do it. I didn't one day wake up and say, you know, I can't believe I thought I was going to hell for eating pork. But the Holy Spirit made it clear. And my wife grew up in that church and made it clear. So here's my point. I am able to hear and love the truth so much because I live the law. So I think the answer to your question it's your question is, what is God's plan for that particular person? You and I can't judge that. The only thing I can do is say, if someone says they are a believer and they decide at some point, because I've known people like that. I know one who used to be in that church. And he, instead of coming to the truth of the simplicity of Christ, isn't that just as bad as saying, I'm going to become a Buddhist, or I'm going to become a Muslim? It's just as bad. It's just as bad as someone said, I'm going to become a Jew. It's just as bad. So the point is, is that it's God's particular call. I don't believe a person who, like the prophecy that's shown by Lot, his wife, not Lot, but his wife, she looked back to the place she loved. And what happened to her? She didn't make it. What did Jesus say? Any man putting, woman, any of us, putting our hand to the plow, choosing to take that challenge, choosing and turning back is not fit Okay, so what if someone's Christian and they commit suicide? There was another suicide this week. Horrible. There's, there's plenty of people. As a matter of fact, there were two suicides this past week. One you may not have heard about. I only know about it from somebody else. I'm not going to tell you, but it's a relative of someone who comes to this church. A second one, not the first one we got the prayer request on. The second one, later in the week, another suicide, an uncle of somebody. Here's my point. If a Christian is truly a Christian and they commit suicide, are they going to hell? No. But, see, only God knows the heart. I have to believe personally that God probably warned them along the way. You're going down the wrong path. You may need an antidepressant now. You may need to do something for me to bless for a short time. You may need to go seek counseling. You may need to get off the drugs. You may need to get off the antidepressants. Yes, because Satan can still attack us. Amen. But I do not believe the Holy Spirit does not warn along the way. I must have been warned, and I look back now, and I can't remember... But I must have been warned along the way when I still believed so wholeheartedly and I was teaching error to people who I would talk to that you're going to hell if you don't keep the Sabbath. You need to keep the Sabbath to be a Christian. Now that's blasphemous. But I used to teach that in my heart of hearts. But I must have started getting warnings at some point because God finally turned me around. But I responded. If I died before I came to the truth, I could enter the pearly gates with a piece of pork hanging out of my mouth and God would still accept me in there. 
And it could be on the Sabbath when I was working. <laughs> He'd still accept me in there. But, oh, doesn't he say, pray that it be not on the Sabbath? So maybe, maybe it wouldn't be. <laughs> anyway, have a great week, everybody. We'll see you next week. Hopefully it answered your question.